me ask you a question. What does the numbers 411 mean to you? Information. That's exactly right. You can dial 411 on your phone and be charged 395. Today, the title of the sermon is Text 411 because today we're giving out a lot of information. In fact, we have so much information to give out today. Uh, You have a handout. This is the first time we've ever really given a handout before. So I'm going to ask you, um, if you have your Bible, grab your Bible, and I want you to turn it to the table of contents. And uh, if you've got a bulletin, a little handout, if you would grab that as well. And we're really going to be looking at the big picture of information about the Bible. We're in, smack dab in the middle of a series called Text, and uh, we're talking about text messages and how we ask the question, um, what if you got a text message from God, would you read it? And the answer is you would because everybody reads their text messages. It doesn't matter if you get voicemails or messages on your answer machine. You can skip those. But if you get a text message, you always read it. So uh, today we're looking at information about the text. And uh, we're going to explain how it all fits together. How many of you like puzzles? You like puzzles? Okay, cool. I see. Yeah, I, I get real. I, I like puzzles too. And uh, one of the things that helps you when you have a puzzle is to have the picture on the front of the box. Uh, because if you ain't got the picture, it's really hard to put that stuff together. You've got to be able to see the big picture. So really what I'm doing today is we're taking a big picture tour of the entire Bible, this book called the Bible. We talked last week that this book called the Bible is really not a book, but it's more of a library. It's a library of 66 books. And it's written by over different, 40 different authors, over 40 different generations, over a 1,500-year time span we talked about last week. And it's written by so many different uh, t- uh, types of people. It's written, the earliest writings is about 1400, 1450 B.C., and the latest is about 90, 95 A.D., so it spans about 1,500 years. And uh, I know a lot of people, you know, they like getting excited about the miracles in the Bible, and I do too, but you know, I really think the biggest miracle is the Bible because this, these 66 books with 40 different authors all have one story in it, one main theme. And the theme and the story of the Bible is that God loves us. It's the story of redemption. It's the story of salvation. It's the story of a son who takes advantage of his father and runs away and squanders all of his wealth and the father is waiting for the son to return home. It's the story of a king who, though he could force people to love him, chooses not to and becomes like the people of his, of his kingdom, becomes just like them to win their affection and to win their love. It, it, it's prophecy. It's a biography. It's history. Um, it is a betrayal, it's love, it's sex, it's everything that makes good stories good stories. And that's what the Bible is. It's so remarkable. And as you know, we're, this being our third week into it, my main goal, our big idea for each and every day is for you to do what? To read the Bible. It's exactly right. So um, we're going to look at this, how the Old Testament and the New Testament fits together, and that there's 400 years in between the Old Testament and New Testament, and why, and all of this stuff. We're getting ready to dig into that today. So let's look at the first one. If you have your Bibles, um, uh, turn with them to your table of contents. Uh, 
and you should see Old Testament, and then there's 39 books, and then New Testament, and there's 27 books. It's, it's, it's divided into two parts, Old Testament, Old Testament, and New Testament. Old Testament and New Testament. Now, why is that? In fact, what does the word testament mean? Some of y'all, that, it's a little mint, that you, the overpriced mint that you buy at Lifeway. Um, but, but uh, on what testament means, the word literally means covenant or agreement. There's the Old Testament, the Old Covenants, and then there's the New Testament, the New Covenants. And that's how it's broken into. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament, is the story of ancient Israel. The New Testament, the New Covenant, is the story of the ancient church. Um, the Old Testament is really centers around one group, one nation, and that's Israel. In fact, as we're going to look in Genesis, it really centers around one family, and this one family has a lot of children, and this one family eventually becomes a nation. They have so many kids, all right? Um, and then the New Testament is about the ancient church. So Old Testament, ancient Israel, New Testament, ancient church. It's a little bit misleading, Old Testament, because um, it's really more than one testament or covenant. Um, God chose to deal with the ancient Israelites through a series of covenants. Let's look at a few of them. The first one, uh, uh, one of the first ones is Noah. Uh, God made a covenant to Noah, and God made a promise to Noah, an agreement to Noah. What? Does anybody remember? Never flood the earth. All right, somebody's been to Sunday school. All right, so never flood the earth. God destroyed the earth with a flood, and God promises afterwards, I'm never going to destroy the entire earth with a flood. All right? Um, Then the the next covenant is an agreement, a covenant that God made with Abraham. And this is what that covenant was. Uh, Abraham, everybody's going to know your name. And, you know, it's 6,000 years after Abraham lived, and we still know his name. Um, uh, In fact, he also made an agreement or a covenant with Abraham that the entire world would be blessed through your descendants. And we find out a little bit later that Jesus was a descendant of Abraham, and that came true. Next uh, covenant was the uh, the covenant, the agreement that God made with Moses. It's called the Ten. All right, good. All right, there you go. See, Ten Commandments. That's that's a covenant. And then there's the covenant that God made with David. God uh, uh, made an agreement with David. Said as long as there's a, a ruler in the throne of Israel, it's going to be of your family. Um, so God made a series of covenants, agreements with people in the Old Testament. Now, the reason why it's Old Testament and then the New Testament is what Jesus did. In fact, if you would, if you have your Bibles, you hold your finger on the table of contents, Matthew 26, verse 26 says this. Um, As they were eating, Jesus took a a loaf of, if it was in the south, it would be a loaf of bread, but it's a loaf of bread, and asked God's blessing on it. Um, And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and he said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which seals the what? Covenant. You see it? Seals the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out to what? To forgive the sins of many. Many of us, we know this because it's, it's communion. Uh, and many of you have taken communion. It, what communion is, is, is Jesus, God, instituting a new covenant. Uh, I am bringing around a new covenant, a new way that I'm going to deal with my people. Uh, before you had to kill animals and spill their blood. Well, you know what? To be able to, to seal that covenant, Jesus says, you're not going to kill an animal with this one. 
because the lambs that you did kill, I am the Lamb of God. And my blood will be spilled and it will seal this covenant. So God is starting a brand new type of relationship with his people, with the new covenant. All right? Now, this is so cool because um, that's the old and that's the new. So the old covenants, plural, and then the new covenant, the New Testament, singular. All right? Everybody got that? All right. Let's keep on going. Um, so uh, if you would take this card. All right? And we're going to look at the Old Testament books. There are how many books? Anybody remember what I said? 39. Thank you so much. There's 39, and they can be broken up into four different sections. Law, history, poetry, prophets. Law, history, poetry, prophets. Now, this is the way it's uh, your English Bible, and this is the order they're in. The problem with this order, it fits really well into these four categories, but it's not chronological. Um, it always scares me a little bit when somebody says, uh, uh, Chris, I'm going to read the Bible through uh, from you know beginning to end. And I want to go, oh, wait a minute. Um, and and you, they look at me like I'm a little strange, um, which I am. And, uh, and, and, and I say, you know, well, Genesis is great, and it's a great, good, a good story. Exodus is good, all right? But when you get to Leviticus... You're going to be like, where did the story go? Because Leviticus is about the law, about that Mosaic covenant. Uh, 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 Deuteronomy is about the law. It's a, it's a sermon that Moses preached, a really long sermon. <laughs> and uh, uh, Numbers is about history. So, um, so one of the things, if you would flip this over, um, we actually have we put this in order for you. All right. So if you just wanted to read the history of ancient Israel through the Old Testament. You would follow that middle line. Everybody see Genesis? All right. Genesis, Exodus, and what's the next one? Numbers. Now, what happened? We skipped some. We, we skipped Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And then Joshua, Judges, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, Ezra, and Nehemiah. That's basically the history of ancient Israel. That's so important because so many times when you read through this, you don't know quite where you're at, and it's easy to get lost because it's old. It's an old book. And sometimes it can be difficult because it's different manners and customs. And, you know, the, you know we're in the, the, the space age and we're in the computers and they didn't have space age and no computers. And anyway, so um, we're going to look at that middle column of history. Now, this is something that's cool. Uh, below it and above it, that's basically commentary on what's happening during the history. All right? L- let's, say, let's say it's like this. Let's say uh, you had a photo album of your life. All right, photo album. All right, all right. This is me. I don't know where I'm at. Oh, I know. This is this is us in Hawaii suffering for Jesus. Um. So um, this was a while back. Good time. All right. What if you know? It's amazing. <laughs> when our son was born, Walt, our first son, we've got pictures. We got three month pictures. We got six months pictures. We got nine month pictures. We got, I think, a ten month picture. We got twelve. Months. We've taken pictures. We've taken video. I mean, you know, we we categorize. You know, here's the picture of his first stinky. Here's the picture of his first. I mean, we did all this stuff. We're sick people, all right. But you know what? We act, we've had two since then. And you know what's the sad thing? We ain't got any pictures of those other two kids. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all's parents. I mean, you were celebrating, and then the second was like, you know, I'm too tired. 
you know. We still love them, all right? And Walt and Jed are in here, and I still love you. Um, but let's say you had a, a picture, chrono, a, a, a chronology of your time, maybe your life, maybe your, your trip to Hawaii, uh, maybe your first Christmas, all right? Maybe your first Christmas as a couple, uh, the first year of your baby, you know, all this stuff. You, you got all of these pictures, all right? So this is kind of the timeline of what happened, all right? But, now that's helpful, but let's say you had a journal to go along with that timeline that you would write in. And you would say, yeah, when we went to Hawaii on this day, this is how I was feeling, and I got up, and I was thinking this. And then um, our first Christmas together, um, we talked about this, and, you know, my my Aunt Cindy and Uncle Johnny showed up here, and... uh, you know, this happened here, and I gave her this present, and she responded this way. And it not only gives you the timeline, but it also gives you what you were thinking and what you were feeling. That is exactly what we have here. You see, we have the timeline. We have the history of it. We have the, the photo book, the photo journal in that middle, on that middle section. But above it and below it, you have kings and prophets who are writing down their feelings of how they're feeling and what they're thinking during that time and what's going on in their lives. Let me give you an example. All right, look at uh, 1 and 2 Samuel. All right, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel are about the life of King David. Um, And uh, David, the fellow who slew Goliath. Well, um, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, you read about David and Bathsheba, this woman whom David committed adultery with all right now underneath second saying you see it it says that it says psalms you can go to psalm 51 and you can read david's confession after somebody by the name of nathan confronted him and he and he and he's like pouring out his heart you can read his journal of what he was thinking that's cool that's what makes this book unlike any other book anywhere in history because we have not only the history, but we have what they were thinking and what they were feeling with the ancient Israelites. That's some cool stuff, all right? So um, what about uh, First Kings? First Kings gives a story of King Solomon, all right? This is David and Bathsheba's son who was born from there. All right. So um, First Kings, below First Kings, you see what those, what's those three books? Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and what? Man, and that's written mainly by Solomon, and he's over here, and he's telling you how he's feeling. In Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, he's saying, man, this is, uh, he's very wise, and he's giving you kind of uh, tips on life. We talked about that a couple of uh, months ago with our series on Proverbs. Ecclesiastes, man, this is about a fella who was the richest fella in the world, the wisest fella in the world, and he decided he wanted, to, he wanted everything in life. He wanted to be happy with boats, cars, women, sex, and he writes this detailed journal of what happens when you leave God out of life. And the answer is meaningless. Danny preached a sermon on that a couple of weeks ago. It's meaningless. Because you can have all this stuff, and if you leave God out, it's meaningless. And then you have Song of Solomon, which is a story about sex. Might be a good place you want to start your Bible reading. Um, in fact, this, uh, this book on Song of Solomon... Um, In Jewish culture, they wouldn't let 13-year-old boys read it yet uh, and below because it was just too erotic. All right, good place to start. Love the Bible. All right, all right. Anyway, so so there you go. 
Um, now, look what happens after 2 Kings. There's 70 years of exile. Let me explain what happens here. In 586 B.C., God, God had been telling them up to this point, listen, you need to make me your one and only God, and they never did that. And finally, God said, you know, I've had enough. And for that 70 years, um, what happened is these uh, the enemies came in and took the Israelites away, and they ceased being a nation. And they're no longer a nation from 586 B.C. to 1948 A.D. That's some cool stuff. All right? So there's that 70 years. And then afterwards, Ezra and Nehemiah come back after those 70 years. And Ezra's talking about rebuilding the temple. Nehemiah is talking about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And, and underneath that, you have Esther and Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. They're all talking about what happened, what the people were thinking, what God was thinking. Um, that's some cool stuff. And that, I always want to say, you know, when people say, well, the Bible's not true. I want to say that's just a little bit too simplistic of a statement. What do you mean the Bible's not true? You mean the history's not true? The poetry's not true? The prophecies aren't true? I mean, what are you really talking about here? Um, what's so cool is these 40 people that wrote the Bible, they didn't get in a smoky-filled room and said, okay, if you say this, I'll say that. All right? I mean, Moses was, uh, he, he, he's 1400 B.C., John, the person who wrote the last book of the New Testament, is about 95 A.D. All right? That's a honking, huge breath of span. All right? So, and it all it doesn't contradict one another. Stokes me. All right? So, then, after Nehemiah, in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's 400 years of silence. 400 years. There's 400 years from when Malachi wrote in about 400 B.C. till when Jesus comes on the scene with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's 400 years of silence in between the Old Testament and New Testament. How many years are in between the Old Testament and New Testament? 400 years. How many years? 400 years. Now let me tell you, this 400 years, God is silent. You, you can't hear Him. He's not speaking. But there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on during this time. Um, how many of y'all ever heard of Alexander the Great? All right, that's during this time. Um, Mark Antony and Cleopatra. Ooh, wee, wee. All right? All right, there is, it's, it's in there. Julius Caesar, um, he's in there. A lot of stuff. The Persians, how many of y'all saw the, uh, the movie Spartans and 300? In there. All right, I see you. Wonderful. All right, all of that has happened in between those 400 years. The Persians came and abused the Israelites. The Greeks came in and abused the Israelites. The Romans came in and abused the Israelites. The Hebrew people. Alright? And there is just there's just four hundred years of everybody saying, Where's God? Where is God? Now remember, think about that. Up to this point, God told Abraham, I'm gonna make your name great. And I'm gonna bless everybody through the earth through you. God tells David, as long as there's a person on the on the throne, it's gonna be of your descendants. And then you have this 400 years, and it's like all of a sudden God goes dark. It's like the lights go out. And like for those 400 years, the, God's silent, and Judaism just closes its doors because nothing is happening. No prophet is speaking. Uh, it is just, uh, it's just, it's just quiet. I mean, think about this. 400 years. I mean, so after Nehemiah, the first five years, nothing. And everybody's going, where's God? And then 10 years, nothing. 50 years, God's not speaking. A lifetime, God's not speaking. 100 years, nothing. 200 years. Think about this. How old is our country? 
A little over 200 years. 200 years. I mean, and, and the Israelites are going, God, what? And then they start doubting. They said, you know what? This stuff didn't happen. Part in the Red Sea did. It was just a fairy tale. This is what our parents told us so that we would act good. This is what our parents told us because if it would have happened, it would have happened by now. So they're going through and they start doubting and they start and then it's just it, and it's just it's just they think it's fairy tales. It's a myth. It's a legend. This stuff that happened, it really didn't happen. And they start doubting and everybody starts going, where's God? And if God was this and if this was in the way, then it wouldn't be. The, and they're all starting to doubt. Four hundred years. It was just quiet. It was so quiet, in fact, that people, though they didn't hear from God, decided to write some books. Um, they decided to start writing some books. And uh, th this is where the Apocrypha comes in. Some of you uh, maybe from a Catholic background. Uh, those books aren't in the original 66 books. Some of it tells some history of some stuff that's going on in there, but it's not from God because God wasn't speaking. God was nowhere to be found. God's moving behind the scenes, but you can't hear God. It went dark. It's amazing. All right, look at your time card. Look at the end. See Nehemiah. Look at Malachi. You see Malachi? All right, I want to read from you a couple of verses about what's getting ready to happen with the New Testament. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 says this. See, I will send my messenger who will... What is that next word? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. What? Prepare the way before me. And then suddenly, meaning you will be surprised, the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, look at there, this new covenant, whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Malachi is telling the people of Israel, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. You may think it's a fairy tale, but he's coming. A, a prophet's going to come and he's going to prepare his way. And then the Messiah, whom you've been waiting for, is coming. For, so for 400 years, the people are waiting. They're waiting, and nothing's happening. And that's what distinguishes Christianity from Judaism today. Did you know that? Because they're still waiting for the Messiah. They didn't recognize that Jesus, their Messiah, had already come and gone. And they're still waiting for the Messiah. That's what distinguishes us from Judaism today. And that is, until 400 years later, an angel comes to Mary and comes to Mary and says this, to this little teenage girl, Hey, listen. God's getting ready to start this thing back up. Something's new. Something new is getting ready to happen. And then, a few years later, this smelly, long-haired, honey-eating, locust-eating, crazy wild dude gets into the Jordan River and he says, Prepare ye the way! He's coming! He's coming! The Messiah's coming! He's coming! Repent! Get ready! He's coming! If you don't, if you, you're going to miss him! He's coming! And then John the Baptist's cousin, John the washer's cousin, Jesus shows up and he gets baptized. And it starts Jesus' ministry. And that brings us to the New Testament. I like that what John 129, it gives a picture of his baptism. It says this. Speaking of baptism, we're going to do that today. Isn't that awesome? Come on, we need to give God a hand on that one, man. I'm so stoked. Man. John chapter 1, verse 29 John the Baptist says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
I like that. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away not just the sins of the Jewish people, but it's getting bigger. It's the world, all right? The, the Old Testament and the New Testament comes together in this, in this one verse. So you have a transition from the Old Testament, the Old Covenants, and now the New Testament. Now let's look at the New Testament, all right? Take out your handy-dandy note cards, all right? New Testament, 27 books. It's also characterized in four different uh, areas. There's the Gospels. Everybody say the word Gospels. History. Letters. And prophecy. Now, the Gospels, they're history as well, but they're really biography because there's one person at the center. Anybody know who it is? Jesus. That's exactly right. There's Jesus. Now, Matthew and John are eyewitnesses of what happened. They are Jesus' friends, Jesus' disciples. Matthew was written by... John was written by... All right? And then the other two, Mark and Luke were not part of Jesus' disciples, and they interviewed people to get their information. John Mark is actually his full name. Uh, he's a Greek. and uh, In fact, Luke is a Greek, well, a Greek as well. He's a, he's a physician. He's a doctor. All right? So that is what, and, and it tells four stories, four perspectives of Jesus' life. Now, here's something that's cool. Even though there's a lot of information there, the Gospels only give us about 52 days of recorded history of Jesus' life. Only 52. Now, he lived for about 33 years and had a ministry of about three years. But it, we only have about 52 recorded days in the Gospels. So that talks about Jesus. Now, the history part is the book of Acts. The book of Acts goes from when Jesus goes up into heaven, about 33, 34 A.D., till about 68 A.D., about a 30-year time uh, frame, and uh, it gives the history of the ancient church, the ancient church, all right? And then, now this is what's so cool, just how in the Old Testament you have the photo album journal thing going on, in the New Testament you have the same thing. You have the, the book of Acts, which is history, and then you have these 21 letters, some people call them epistles, I don't know why, all right? And somebody said, the epistles, they're wives of the apostles, aren't they? And I'm like... Oh no! All right, but these twenty-one letters, most of them are written by Paul, and they are commentary on what's happening in the Book of Acts. Let me give you an example. In Acts chapter eighteen, Paul goes to the city called Corinth, and Paul starts a church at Corinth. He leaves there after about a year and a half, and he writes a couple of letters. They're called Corinthians. That's exactly right. So uh, he writes First Corinthians, and then he writes Second Corinthians. All right. And uh, he goes to, Paul goes to a, a, a town called Ephesus, and he starts a church, and he leaves, and then he writes a letter, it's called the book of Ephesians, all right? So it, it's, it's commentary on what's happening during that time. That is so cool. And then the last book is the book of Revelation. I got to be honest with you, the uh, book of Revelation is prophecy, and a lot of great godly Christians disagree on how to interpret this book. And they're godly people, all right? Uh, some people believe that the book of Revelation has already happened. Uh, others, like myself, believe that Revelation uh, will happen. It's future. It's prophecy, all right? Um, but a lot of people disagree on that. This would not be a great place to start your Bible study. And now you're thinking, well, why? Some of you, how many of y'all, when you get a book, you read the last chapter? All right, some of y'all are depressing. 
Because y'all are thinking, I, I'm, I may die then. I may die before that time. And I've got to read the last chapter. i got to know what happens. All right? Um, well, if that's you, then start with the book of Revelation. But it's very difficult because there's a lot of imagery and symbolism. And if you don't have a good uh, a grasp on what's happened in the Bible up to this point, you won't get it. Uh, the key to understanding Revelation really is the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. All right? But um, I, I want to say this. The book of Revelation points to a future to what is yet to come. Uh, the book of Revelation talks about there's going to be a time when Jesus wipes every tear away from our eye, when there's not going to be any more sin, sorrow, sickness, or death. A, a time when um, we're going to spend eternity with Him. But here's the problem. Just like the book of Nehemiah ended, you have all of these people in Nehemiah's time, they're living in those 400 years, they're living with unfulfilled promises. God said, listen, I'm going to make Abraham's name great. I'm going to make David's name great. And everybody's going, you know what? If it happened, it would already happen. It's just a fairy tale. It's just a myth. And guess what? People today, we're still waiting because it's not yet happened. And some people are tempted just like you and I to say, you know what? It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. And God's saying, watch out. Be prepared. It's going to come quickly. Unexpected. Jesus is going to return. All right? So we're just like the ancient Jews in the book of Nehemiah. We're still waiting with an unfulfilled promise. All right? Now that's kind of cool. I hope you've kind of seen, you've seen the big picture of how the Bible fits together. Here's my encouragement for you. Just read it. Pick it up. You would be amazed. Now that you kind of see the borders of the puzzle and the big picture, get into it. Dig in deep. And again, that's why, the reason why I say a lot of people say, you know what, the Bible just isn't true. I want to say, you know what, that, that, that's, I, I respect you, but that sounds like a very ignorant statement. What part of it's not true? The letters? Well, I mean, what part of it's not true? The history? The law? The, 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 I mean, what's not true here? I mean, because it's just say, oh, just write it off. Most people who've done that have never read it. Because so many people have picked up this book as skeptics, but they've laid it down as followers. And I'm encouraging you to read it. Today, as we leave, actually, you already got these, these little bookmarks. Uh, I'm encouraging you to read these. I'm going to kind of just get a little bit of a bait and switch today to explain kind of what's happening. These are five days. We're going to give you two days off because I'm a really nice person. All right. Um, Monday. That's tomorrow. I want you to read the Ten Commandments. This is why it's important. Some of you say, well, I, you know, I've kept all the Ten Commandments. You don't even know where they're at. If somebody, if your life depended on where was it at? Oh, it's in second opinion somewhere, isn't it? Um, Exodus chapter 20. You're going to read the Ten Commandments. All right? That's cool. Because many our law, our system of law is based upon these commandments. Um, uh, Tuesday... You're going to read 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 11 about David and Bathsheba where he breaks one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, thou shalt not... Uh, shalt. Somebody shoot me. Don't commit adultery. All right? Um, uh, so uh, that's, the, that's the commandment he, he uh, broke. Wednesday, uh, you read about one of David's best friends, Nathan, confronting David, saying, You messed up, fella. And David saying, You're right, I did. Uh, that's in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Thursday, you're going to go to the Psalms which is songs, 
and you're going to read the song that David wrote saying, God, I've got to come clean with you. I, did, I committed this adultery, and, and, and please forgive me. That's in Psalms. And then Friday, you're going to read a, on, in John chapter 8 about Jesus' response to a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. Let your imagination go with that one. All right? That's what I'm asking you to do, is to read this this week. Read these five scriptures. How many of y'all are committed? I'm going to read the Bible this week. Let me see your hands. All right? There's you on the back row. You didn't raise your I'm just joking. All right. All right. Next week, um, next week, now this is going to be cool. Some of you are saying, I have a hard time when I, of reading the Bible and knowing sometimes where to start and, and how to uh, spend time you know, with God in the Bible. That's what we're talking about next week. It's called having a quiet time. And really, what, that's just a churchy word, just meaning opening up God's Word and reading it every day. It's important. So watch your emails, and uh, it'll be coming to you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you are so wonderful and awesome. We thank you so much, Lord, that this book really is a miracle. It contains miracles, but it is a miracle. So, Lord, I just I pray, Lord, that we would um, read it, and that after we read it, that we would do it and that we would be able to do that uh, today. We love you, Jesus. In your name that we pray, amen.